What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. This is going to be our last special World Baseball Classic episode. We've had so much fun with this tournament. We're so glad they put it on. Um, so please, you know, if you're a fan of the World Baseball Classic, stay tuned, keep watching, and we'd love for you to continue to watch our content after the tournament's over. All right, let's get into today's episode. So we'd like to preview the first, um, I'll preview the first game of the semifinals, and then Andrew's going to hit you with the other one. Um, but yeah, we're just going to give a look at the tournament. We're going to predict some winners. So tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to see the U.S. and Cuba play. So this will probably have dropped by that point. Um, but it, it's a super exciting game. Cuba was off to a little bit of a rough start at the beginning of the Classic, falling to the Netherlands and Italy, back-to-back, -back, I believe, before they rallied and ran up the score against uh, Panama and then Chinese Taipei. Uh, defeated Australia in the most recent round, the quarterfinals. And so that's how they got here. As for the U.S., um, they had a pretty dominant group stage aside from a really tough loss to Mexico. They fell 11-5 in game two of the group stage, um, but they were able to pull it out, finishing second in their uh, stage before facing red-hot Venezuela, who we eliminated last night. Uh, unbelievable game. Trey Turner, so clutch. So, yeah, I mean, I think the story of this game is going to be, can the U.S.'s offense score enough, um, even though the pitching might be a little suspect? And that's been the story of the tournament for the U.S., to give up seven runs to Venezuela but still get it done because you have Hall of Famers up and down the lineup. Very exciting. And so that's how the U.S. is going to have to get it done again tonight. So I think those are my keys to the game, the U.S.'s offense and Cuba's pitching. Can they limit that? Um, yeah, I think that's what it's all going to be about. Obviously, for Cuba, um, they've got Ronas Elias uh, on the mound. Not a huge name, um, probably probably not as effective a pitcher right now, even as Adam Wainwright, who's going to be the U.S. starter, uh, 41 years young. So I think for Cuba, it's going to be, can you get through his start and then can the bullpen limit the scoring, especially in the late innings? That's something Venezuela, unfortunately, wasn't able to do. Um, so that'll be really awesome to watch. But yeah, tonight I'm predicting an American win. I think the U.S. is going to get it done. I think it's going to be a 7-4 to ball game. Andrew's got you now with Japan and Mexico. Yeah, before we uh, touch on that, from the Cardinal fan perspective, we're all definitely going to be watching Adam Wainwright's velocity. I think um, if we see the velocity tick back up to the high 80s, low 90s, that's really promising for our season. And also, if his velo is up, that's obviously good for Team USA. But yeah, um, tomorrow night at 6, uh, first time that a Japan game will be at a reasonable hour for, for American fans. I think this is the first time you're going to watch Team Japan play live. I, I did that once um, in the group stage. Um, that was that was something. But we got it's not official yet, but Mexico is supposed to start Patrick Sandoval and Japan is supposed to start Roki Sasaki, uh, the young uh, 102 mile an hour flamethrower, you know, just pretty casual stuff uh, right there. Uh, Patrick Sandoval plays for the Angels, uh, of course, um, close with uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, and I think that'll be a pretty interesting matchup because Sandoval's a left-hander and a lot of that uh, Japan lineup, uh, lefties, you got um, New Bar, of course, Otani, Murakami, yeah. Yoshida. They're all lefties. Um, I think they had five or six lefties in a row wow. to start their lineup against Kim for Korea, who is also a lefty. So I'll be interested to see how, how the lineup adjusts um, to facing Sandoval. But I think Japan still, still has it in them. Uh, so to make it to the final, at least um, with their with their pitching, Sasaki looked a little bit shaky, but I think that was the nerves of the Tokyo Dome and his first time pitching on 
on the world stage as like a really young 21, 22 year old uh, guy. I think he's done that once now. He'll be in Miami, which is a lot more chill of an environment for for a Japanese pitcher because the he, he was at the Tokyo Dome, which is the most like electric environment um, for Samurai Japan. So I think he'll be able to calm down a little bit, be a little bit less wild. And I think the Mexican batters might not be able to might not be able to touch anything off him. Um, so I'm really excited to see that matchup. What do you think the final score is going to be in this one? I think that one will be a bit more of a pitching duel. Both uh, starters, mm. very, very quality, um, very good starters. Um, I think only Team USA like has its top pitchers like not actually playing, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. But I think yeah, the sure. panel win maybe three one. We'll go so we're that. predicting at Newt News, we're predicting a Japan USA final. I think that's that's pretty much the consensus, and I think that would be that would be really fun. Um, be unbelievable. You know, in soccer and the World Cup, they they always talk about Messi versus Ronaldo, the two best players in the game, always facing off. That that happened a few times in in uh, recent years, but we've never had who, in my opinion, are the two best players uh, in baseball face off against each other because they they play for the same team, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. So that'll be really fun. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. Um, who do you have? If that's the final, who do you have winning? You know, it's interesting because Shohei Otani could pitch the final, but the mm -hmm. Angels are not letting him. He'll be on really? five days rest. He only threw like 70 pitches against um, Italy. Um, so I think Japan is either going to go with Darvish or uh, another one of their, their young arms. Um, so they either way, they're going to have a really strong starter, though. Yeah, I think their starter will definitely be stronger um, than the U.S., We'll just have to see whether or not the U.S. bats decide to show up because it's a little bit hit or it's been a little bit hit or miss this tournament. Um, we had the yeah. uh, the week outing against Mexico. That was mostly the pitching, just not holding up at all. Um, I agree with that. We saw pretty pretty weak outing by the offense against Colombia, but the pitching managed to hold it together for a three two win. And yeah. last night the offense didn't really wake up after the first inning until Trey Turner's grand slam. And that was pretty much it. So Correct. we'll really have to see how the offense holds up. Cause I don't, I don't think it's been as advertised. It, it hasn't been the greatest lineup in, in the history of baseball, unfortunately. Yeah. It's been a little disappointing. You've had some guys really, really pulling their weight. I mean, Trout's been unbelievable. He's making a case for classic MVP. Um, you know, golden, uh, golden Goldie and Arnado have both been awesome. Um, they're both batting over three thirty. They've had a great classic, but you've had a couple of guys. I'm not pointing any fingers, but Mets fans, come on. What's going on with Alonzo and McNeil? They've done absolutely nothing. So that's great. Outside of the one big hit that Schwarber had, he hasn't done much either. I mean, the, the home run against Britain was very exciting. But yeah, um, you mentioned the pitching, and I was looking through the U.S.'s rotation, and it looks like they'll have a couple of options should they make it to the final, especially with another day of rest. They could throw Lynn, they could throw Michaelis or Martinez. Lynn um, pitched yesterday, so he won't be available. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it'll be Michaelis or Martinez then. I would love to see it be Michaelis. I mean, as a Cardinals fan, it'd be unbelievable. And as Katie Wu told us, nobody loves this country more than Miles Michaelis. Very proud to be in this classic. Yeah, after hearing that, I was a little bit disappointed to see that Michaelis was thrown as, as a – piggyback option after Merrill Kelly had a, a bit of a rough start. Was it, was it Merrill Kelly against? No, I no? think Michael's pitched against Canada. Oh, he piggybacked off Lynn. Yeah. And, and Lynn had a fine start. Lynn was great. Yeah. 
I just didn't, I, I wasn't too happy to see that he was pitching for the mercy role. He pitched two innings in a 10 victory against uh, Canada. So that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. too much fun, but it is what it is. Hopefully he'll, he'll get to shine in a big moment. Yeah. I mean, it'd be awesome for him to get started this game. And I think that's who, uh, who they should go with. Martinez had a rough outing and I think Michaelis is a better starter. I really do. Um, he had a great year last year. The Cardinals are banking on Michaelis being a top of the rotation arm. So I think, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be a great move for the U S to start him, you know, really big. Um, but then also coming out of the world baseball classic, some big news yesterday, Jose Altuve was hit on the hand. Um, and he actually fractured his right thumb and now reports today say that he'll be missing somewhere between six and 10 weeks. So a huge part of the season, we might not expect to see Altuve back at full strength until early July. So, I mean, that that's really surprising news coming out of the classic. And that has given a lot of people who don't like it more fuel. Um, you know, people who think it's ridiculous, they call it meaningless exhibition games. Um, and this has just fueled that further saying that the world baseball classic shouldn't happen or that the best players in the world shouldn't be playing. Um, the Diaz injury started that. But obviously there was the caveat that he wasn't actually playing. That was a celebration. Um, now you've got somebody injured in play and it's pretty serious. This is really going to impact the Astro season. And so a lot of fans reacting to that today. How do you feel about that? Personally, I think it's a terrible take. I love the World Baseball Classic and I think these players love it too. You can see it. You can see how much they care. It's yeah, you can, you can definitely tell that a lot of these, these some of these players have openly stated that they would rather win the classic um, than the world series. Molina mm -hmm. uh, manager for Puerto Rico has said that he would rather win the classic than win the world series, which he's done twice. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty telling. Cause you know, he he's felt that he's never won the classic. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it's pretty ridiculous to me um, seeing that people are getting upset at these injuries because injuries happen in spring training all the time. We saw Gavin Lux after the True. season he torn ACL um, Brandon Nimmo uh, sliding into second base the other day uh, hurt his knee. I think he'll be okay. But um, uh, even the Mets last yeah. spring training, they celebrated winning the World Series in spring training, which to me doesn't make any sense. But if you're if you're saying that yeah, Edwin Diaz wouldn't have gotten hurt celebrating if he wasn't playing in the World Baseball Classic, that's just incorrect because the Mets they practiced that anyway. Yeah, it was just a freak thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's people really using unfortunate circumstances to fuel a narrative that's not right. And we've seen a lot of that out of, you know, a couple of notable people on Twitter, specifically KFC Barstool. Real, real bummer. You know, why, why do you have to do that? You know, why would you take circumstances and then twist them to fuel your narrative? I think that's a real bummer. And I think you really missed the point. These players love this. Uh, basically, the sentiment that I've gotten from the players is that Things matter more when it's your country. They see MLB as important and they're getting paid, you know, and they love it. They love the game and they want to win. Um, but to them, that's city versus city, whereas this is country versus country. And they think it has a lot of them think it has a bigger impact. You know, I saw an interview um, with a lot of the players on Dominican Republic. And I mean, they were saying that they wanted nothing more than to win this classic. So, yeah, I just think it's a real bummer. Um, obviously, you never want to see anyone get hurt. And it really stinks for those fan bases. Like I feel for Astros fans a little bit, as much as I try not to sympathize with them, I understand, you know, it, it really stinks to see one of your players go down and he wasn't even playing, you know, playing for the Astros. But at the same time, 
a couple of injuries, as unfortunate as they are, that's not a reason to cancel something that so many players and so many fans love. And you also have to consider the fans in these other countries who might not have the same allegiance as fans in America to teams because, you know, they didn't grow up in a city with an MLB team, but they grew up in a country with a World Baseball Classic team. And so that's a chance for them to root for a team that really represents who they are. Yeah, I saw an argument online where someone was saying like, yeah, Edwin Diaz getting hurt, like that doesn't matter to certain fans, which I mean, obviously it does. He's an electric player. We saw with the trumpet yeah. um, at City Field, like obviously that's not true either. But like someone was saying, if Shohei Otani were to get hurt in the World Baseball Classic, that would make people so much more upset. And like, if that were to happen, people would like want to cancel the World Baseball Classic or whatever. To me, that's ridiculous. Like as the, the number one Shohei Otani fan on this on this podcast, I, I can firmly tell you that if he had gotten hurt in the World Baseball Classic, obviously that's really unfortunate. And I don't want to see that. Um, I don't want to see such a once in a generation player get hurt playing anywhere. But we're seeing Shohei Otani for the first time in his career play a meaningful game. Yeah. Um, like I got the Angels stuff on and it hurts. Like it's it's that team, that team doesn't do anything. So like for the first time in his career, Shohei Otani can say, I played a game that matters. Like he's representing his country for the first time in six years. Huh. He was hurt for the last classic. He wasn't able to represent his country. Um, yeah. And for him to go back to Japan and see that atmosphere, it's just so, so much more exciting than anything you could do in Anaheim and like even like I want the Angels to succeed. I want them to make the playoffs, but you can't you can't top that. Yeah, the Tokyo Dome was absolutely rocking. It was awesome. It was packed out, home crowd, and Shohei got to take it all in. You know, something he really hasn't gotten to do as an Angels. You know, I mean, sure the Angels they they sell a lot of tickets. They bring a lot of fans to the ballpark. Who wouldn't go if your team's got Otani? But you're right. He hasn't gotten to play in those high leverage games, and it would suck to take that away from Trout too. It'd be just wrong. You know, Trout in his entire career has played in three postseason games. You can't take that away from him. Come on. Like, he loves this. He's so into this classic, and he's having an unbelievable time. He's been an incredible player, and he looks like he's really loving it. And from everything I've seen, he would hate to have this taken away. I just, you know, again, I can't reiterate enough. I just think it's a shame. I think it's a shame that these things happen, and it sucks. To see Goldie go down would really suck, but it wouldn't make me want to cancel it. The, the okay. worst part about it all is that, you know, you have people taking this and twisting it to fit their own narrative, you know, and they're using it for their advantage, their gain um, to have some stupid hot take on a social media platform. And that's what's such a bummer. Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, they were the two, two of the first players to, to commit back to the classic. Yeah. They're the only two returning players from, from the championship team. And like as much as as I want to see the Cardinals win the World Series, like seeing what this this event means to those two players who have never won a World Series, um, you just yeah. gotta let them go out there and do their thing. And it's more playoff atmosphere uh, experience for for those two guys who everyone was criticizing last October for for not coming up in clutch situations. So I think even for the Cardinals, that's that's beneficial. Yeah, there are players out there who have argued that this is good because, I mean, spring training is one thing, but you can tell a lot of times guys aren't going 100. The guys in this are playing at 100%, and I've seen, I've seen some players say that that's actually really beneficial for them, ramping up and everything. A couple of pitchers who say it's nice to get out there and use my stuff against guys I haven't seen, especially because in spring training you kind of play a circuit and you see the same teams over and over again that are just nearby. You know, the Cardinals play the Marlins, the Astros, the Nationals, and the Mets over and over again. Because those are the teams right nearby within a 30-minute radius. I mean, we share a stadium with the Marlins, Roger Dean. 
Um, but it's nice for these guys to get more exposure, see different, different looks. And the game is played very differently in some other countries. You know, if you watch, um, if you watch some of these other teams play, there's a lot more focus on contact or a lot more focus on plate discipline than America, which is a more slugging oriented league. And so it's great for these guys to get different looks. You know, I mean, these, these pitchers coming over from Japan are unbelievable. Um, but they all seem to have a little bit different look than a lot of the pitchers developed in America. You know, it's, it's awesome. And so I think this is just a great way. And at the end of the day, this really helps the game. The exposure that the World Baseball Classic gives baseball and the community it helps to grow around it is really amazing. And so, yeah, I just think, again, I really hope these injuries, and I hate that they happened, but I really hope they don't jeopardize the future of the Classic. Yeah, that about sums up my thoughts as well. Um, People get hurt playing sports. That's how it is, but this is definitely worth it. Um, for the future of the game, for these players. We've seen, like, Nicaraguan pitcher uh, get a contract after striking out uh, three yeah. guys in the Dominican lineup. That was awesome. Um, we've seen um, some crazy upsets. If you want to talk about the Domin- Dominican uh, Republic surprise early exit, oh that, was, uh, yeah. that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, that, that team, I think, was favored to win uh, by a lot of betting sites, by a lot of experts. But they went out in the group stage because their pool was just really, really tough. And, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate for them, but it was also really exciting to see Puerto Rico pull off that upset and make it into the group yeah. stage, make it out of the group stage. I really wanted to see Yachty's team move on. That would have been awesome. Not and against the U.S., though. Though. Not against the U.S. That would have been. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I wanted to see, I kind of wanted to see Yachty and Wayno face off. Yeah. That would have been cool. But the last thing to note is also like, this is something that the players get to choose. It's not like they're forced into this. You know, I mean, if you have a particularly injury prone player, I won't name names, but that player might, might say, I don't want to do it. You know, I mean, it's not, it's the players do this of their own volition. And so that's something we also have to know. And some clubs don't let their guys participate. I know that the Yankees were really resistant to Aaron judge participating. And so, I mean, that's, that's an internal dialogue that the players have with people around them and organizations have with their players. And so I would say as fans, it's not really even our place, you know, to butt in and tell someone whether they should or shouldn't participate. And so that's, that's another thing I just hate about these takes it's not your job. Like <laughs> it's their, it's their job to decide for themselves. So, yeah, we also wanted to, uh, after we covered the baseball classic, we wanted to touch on a little bit of Cardinals news, pretty big roster move actually coming out of camps. So the Cardinals have cleared a spot on the 40 man, which as far as I know, hasn't been given to anybody yet uh, as of the time of this recording, but that was with the move of Freddie Pacheco. Uh, Pacheco someone we've talked about at length. He's someone that I'm a big believer in. Um, wrote some pieces on him recently and really big bummer to see him gone. We know um, from our interview with Katie that he was working through some stuff. He might've had some troubles early in spring. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's really surprising to see somebody with his level of talent and really his track record. I mean, he's struck out 82 guys in 54 innings last year. I want to say he's got incredible strikeout stuff. He had a 315 ERA closing in Memphis. He's been really great. Um, consistently year after year, he's managed to rack up strikeouts, which is something that a lot of Cardinals pitchers haven't been able to do. And it's something we're really lacking at the big league level, both in the rotation and the pen. So, I mean, he just seemed like a guy that was going to fill a hole, seemed like a guy that could contribute right now, seemed ready. So I think it was a shock for a lot of Cardinals fans when they saw that he had been claimed off waivers. Yeah, I didn't even know he was put on waivers because the Tigers claimed him so fast. I think um, yeah. his immediate, like the Tigers were like, yeah, we, we want him. Like if, if someone with that kind of talent is available on waivers, you're going to just take him. So 
hopefully um there's something behind the scenes that we don't know maybe some like injury thing that well, hopefully not he's not hurt but like hopefully yeah. they, they know about something that the tigers don't um we've seen uh, Mosellock make a couple of moves in the offseason that we thought were questionable that have actually paid off a little bit now i was really upset when they didn't bring back quintana and Agreed. quintana's just hurt for the next like three or four months now yeah um with some some rib fracture so um hopefully the front office knows something that we don't and this this isn't uh, a move that will come back to bite us at the end yeah i would argue that to see like the cardinals don't give up on talent like that yeah. you've watched the way they've handled the DeYoung situation and they are they are not quick to punt on someone that they believe in and it really seemed like they believed in pacheco because they moved him aggressively they had him at triple a they gave him plenty of chances i mean he was the closer in triple a he had all of the high leverage situations. He'd been added to the 40 man. So obviously he's someone the team believes in. Moreover, they then decide to keep the young Stratton, Verhagen, Hudson, some guys who it's questionable whether we want them on the active roster, more or less the 40 man. I mean, they keep those guys over him. And so that makes me think something serious was going on. It's if I had to guess, I would say it must have been something personal. And I've heard some rumors that there was something along the lines of what happened with Jairo Munoz a few years ago. If anybody recalls that situation where he basically left the team um, without giving them a lot of heads up or, you know, knowledge about his whereabouts. And so I wonder if it was something like that, maybe something personal, um, you know, maybe, maybe they wanted him to change something and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that seems like the only explanation to me because the way the Cardinals normally handle talent, they are not quick to punt. I mean, they never have been, especially as a smaller market organization, you need to be shrewd with what you receive. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you want to do is give somebody up for nothing who's going to go crush it somewhere else. And I do think Pacheco has the talent to go crush it. If it was an injury concern, what confuses me is why he wasn't placed on the 60 day, because that's going to open up soon. And so you could have just waited for that. I know he'd get big league pay, but I mean, I don't know a little bit of pay for a guy with six years of service time and loads of talent that feels definitely worth it to me. And I think that would have been what they would have done or they would have tried to trade him if it was just something small. So I, I assume it's personal. Yeah. Um, another thing is Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung has been shut down for a little bit with um, some injury concerns. He also hasn't mm -hmm. been hitting that well this spring, I believe. Um, his his average is in the ones. His OPS is, is relatively high. I think it's um, eight eighty three for someone with a one fifty four average. That's pretty. That's pretty high. A lot of ice. He's drawn a lot of walks. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you think this is maybe a phantom IL sort of deal? Uh, are the are the Cardinals getting ready to cut bait with DeYoung, or is is he actually just hurt? I don't know. It's been it's been a really unfortunate spring for Paul because he comes back with this retooled swing and people within the organization were excited about it. Now I feel like they kind of had to be, but also like it says something that it got reported on so much. Katie told us herself that she was really excited about it. She thought it could be him turning the page and he made big changes to his swing. And he worked with some of our new hitting personnel um, who the team's really excited about. The reviews have been great so far on their performance. Um, and so for him to come and then deal with multiple injuries throughout spring training that really limited his ability to even take the field we have no idea how they impacted his performance. I'm not sure. I don't know if the Cardinals are ready to cut bait with DeYoung. Considering there's only one year left on the deal and he still plays premium defense, I think he might be on the opening day roster as a defensive replacement. I'd be really surprised if he was not at this point. 
the way things have developed so far. And no matter how good a spring Wynn had, he was never going to win that job over DeYoung because Wynn's not competing for that backup job. So, yeah, I don't know. The moral of the story is it sucks that DeYoung had these injuries. I mean, he's only taken, what, like 15 at-bats maybe? Yeah, 13 at-bats. Um, yeah. 154 average with a 421 on base. So that's a lot of walks. That's good to see that his discipline is getting better. He's not swinging at everything like he was last year. Uh, that's that's definitely good to see. Um, but I don't know, small sample size. So you, you never really There's know. almost nothing we can do with the sample size. It's tiny, you know? And yeah, it, we can do absolutely nothing with it, which sucks. So I guess, you know, we're just kind of going to have to wait this out. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess only the Cardinals front office really knows what's going to happen. But personally, I would be pretty surprised if DeYoung isn't in the plans this year. I don't know. I think if DeYoung wasn't in the plans, we'd be seeing something along the lines of what's going on with the backup catcher situation. So they brought in um, a couple of catching options, including Barrera, who's actually had a pretty solid spring. Uh, and, you know, another rough day for Kisner. It, it could be interesting. You know, he could take that job. I guess the Cardinals brought in Modder, though, who I'm not really considering. And he's had a really good spring. So maybe, maybe he's that competition for the shortstop position. And I guess if they roll with Modder, then DeYoung will be off the roster. But yeah, only time will tell. Yeah, Modder's shown some uh, pretty good signs of power, um, good veteran player. Uh, journeyman, but I think I think the the more interesting uh, race here is the backup catcher, as you touched on. Uh, Barrera's um, Barrera had a pretty pretty good day. Um, three plate appearances, three walks. Uh, Kisner yeah. went over five, so that's uh, that's not good to see. It has uh, not been great from Kisner this spring, and it is it's really building on a trend that's been disappointing with him. Very high ground ball rate yeah. with Andrew Kisner. He just rarely is able to drive the ball into the air. Um, and even when he hits it hard, which is pretty rare, um, it just, it's on the ground. And so when you're, when you're constantly hitting the ball on the ground, it's going to be really tough to do much at the plate. <clears throat> and Kisner's a guy that really disappointed in my opinion, because he had such a strong minor league track record. I think cause the Cardinals, I guess Cardinals fans are probably feeling a little snake bitten at this point by catching prospects because Carson Kelly was Yachty's heir until he wasn't. And he was traded because he didn't, he didn't hit here. Kisner comes up and he's a guy that routinely hit near or above 300 in the minors um, was really able to apply kind of that Brendan Donovan philosophy, a little bit of gap to gap power, but a lot of line drives. And he was going to slap the ball around, go the other way. And he just doesn't do that. He hits it too soft to go the other way. His problem is when there's a big hole and it goes towards there, the ball's going maybe seven miles an hour and it's getting tracked down. And that's just been a real bummer. And so I think when he came up, he was viewed as a guy who might have a 750 OPS, but was going to hit 260. And that just isn't happening. Um, last year, he was a black hole offensively. And this spring training, it's been even worse. Moreover, Herrera doesn't seem to be ready yet. And I think the Cardinals are committed to him starting at AAA. So, yeah, just really tough. I don't know. I think Barrera has a really good chance, actually, um, to make the roster. Obviously, as the incumbent, Kisner has a little bit of an advantage. And also, Kisner's sort of been a personal catcher to Hudson and Michaelis. So it depends what the plans are with Hudson. If Hudson ended up in the rotation, I think they definitely keep Kisner so that he can catch those starts. And I guess we'll just have to see. I just want to say that uh, Andrew Kisner last season was not an offensive black hole. If he was the designated hitter every day for the Cardinals, he would have won the silver slugger award because he put up the exact same numbers, same OPS plus as Josh Bell, who won that award and stole it from our Albert Pujols. So um, no, I should get over myself, but it's okay. 
for context, for context, okay, Bell had a much better season than Andrew Kisner. It's just when Bell played DH, he had the exact same numbers as Andrew Kisner. I can't believe they gave him that award. He, he shouldn't have been eligible for it. He didn't do that. He shouldn't have been because when when Bell was with Washington and he was an all-star with like he a 900 OPS, he never played DH. He was never a DH because they had Nelson Cruz there every day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, he only DH'd when he went over to the Padres, and he was dreadful after that trade. So yeah. Kisner, yeah. black hole offensively. Okay. Yeah. I I am hoping I'm hoping that Herrera is ready at some point this year. It'd be really nice to see him come up and have that catching duo with Contreras that we're all hoping for. But yeah, um, just a little bit more St. Louis news. It's been an awesome run for the Battlehawks, who really suffered a tough defeat yesterday, but hey. And just, you know, a little bit of a shout out to them. Everybody keeps supporting. Go to the games. They're a ton of fun. I'm going to be going to the one over Easter where we host our rival, the Vipers. That's going to be awesome. And then also SLCSC, if you've been watching, St. Louis City, 4-0 to start their existence. First MLS club to ever do so. Um, they've got the best record in the entire league right now. They lead the entire league in goals scored. So, I mean, great result the other night. Um, big win at home against San Jose, who's a pretty decent team. But yeah. They were able to generate eight shots on goal compared to San Jose's two. Blanked them 3-0. So it's been awesome. It's a great time to be a St. Louis sports fan. Um, Obviously, the Blues have been a little disappointing this year. But, hey, the Battle Hawks, City, and the Cardinals all seem to be very competitive at the moment. So can't wait for opening day. The countdown's getting close. What is it, in 10 days now? Uh, yeah, I will. I will be there. My very first opening day. I'm really excited for it. Um, oh my gosh. And then I think we're going to be doing some sort of live event as well at opening day. We're hoping to do some we'll try to get the, the Instagram live set up. Gravy and I will be there. Uh, he's not with us today. Uh, whole story about that. We'll talk about it next week, but um, yeah, we'll try to, we'll try to come at you live from, from Bush stadium. We got some, we got some pretty good seats. So um, we'll, we'll try to get you all of that action. Um, also just wanted to say thank you to all of the, the new Japanese fans that we have. Um, of course, new news, um, Lars new bar, uh, becoming a, a Japanese phenom, uh, grinding the pepper, uh, every single game, uh, for Samurai Japan, but we hope you stick around, uh, with us. It's been a really fun world baseball classic, and we hope you stay with us on that journey. Um, the Cardinals and the angels will face off in May. So I think that'll be pretty fun to see, see those two guys go at it, especially if, if Otani can, can pitch against his good friend. It'll yeah. Be- to emphasize that. Thank you to all the new fans as well from just all over who've uh, tuned in during this world baseball classic. And even though this is coming to an end, our coverage is not going to be coming to an end. We're going to be talking baseball as a whole, and then also specifically Cardinals um, all season and hopefully for a long time. So we'd love to see you guys stay with us and keep following along. It's going to be a great year in St. Louis. All right. Yeah. Uh, We just wanted to plug one more time. Be sure to tune in on opening day. And then next week we've got Dan Guerrero, um, a Cardinals writer coming in. It's going to be super exciting. We're going to be talking all things prospect related, um, touching on the farm, one more roster projection, and it's going to be right before opening day. And he's going to have a lot of great Intel. Um, He's amazing really smart guy, great baseball mind. So we'd love for you guys to tune in for that interview as well. I believe he's also worked with, with our um, angels here. So I get to ask one more time uh, whether or not <laughs> our, our, uh, our pipe dream will come true and Shohei Otani will be. I think you're going to get crushed one last time. I just don't think, <laughs> but Hey, who knows? Who knows? The Cardinals have the seventh highest odds uh, according to Vegas right now to Lando Otani. So 
I guess it's possible. But all right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today. It's been a great episode. Um, yeah, we can't wait for the World Baseball Classic tonight. And then the finals coming up. It's going to be great. Um, and then obviously opening day. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And please share us with um, all your friends. Anyone who's looking for a podcast about baseball or the Cardinals more, more specifically, please recommend us. Um, yeah, we're really excited about this. All right. Thank you so much and have a great day.